Well, good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And uh, we're going to read this evening from Revelation chapter 2 and starting at verse 8. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. To the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you into prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Well, shall we pray? Father, we just pray as we come before you and we ask your blessing upon us as we look at this passage together, as we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, and uh, we're looking at the church at Smyrna. Now, as we look at the seven churches, we're left in no doubt that the person who is speaking to them is Jesus, the one who John sees as being the glorified Christ. So listen to what Jesus says to each of them about who he is. To the church at Ephesus, he says, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. And then when we come to the church at Smyrna, he says to them, the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. Then to the church at Pergamon, he said, the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. And to the church at Thyatira, he said, these are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. The church at Sardis, he said, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. To the church of Philadelphia, he says this, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. And then finally, to the church at Laodicea, he said, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the rulers of God's creation. So you see, to each of these letters at the beginning of each one, or the, the address, as he addresses each of these churches, he, he starts with words words that are describing the same person and what he has to say to each of them about himself is relevant to each individual church and it's also applicable to every church that ever was or ever will be. And I want you to notice also how this individual section uh, involved in each of the churches ends. To the church at Ephesus, we have these words, whoever has ears, let 
him, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in paradise, in the paradise of God. At the end of what he says specifically to Shmerna, he says, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And again, to Pergamon, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then Thyatira, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And also, when you come to Sardis, Philadelphia, and Lady Laodicea, we have the same words. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You see, seven individual churches. Seven individual churches that are to become representative of the true church, that is, his church. We're going to see that they're not perfect. And they need both admonition, which is firm warning by way of reprimand, and approval, which is by way of encouragement. Now, as we look at these things, I want us to notice that the application is for the churches to respond. And it's as much the responsibility of the individual within the church to respond. That's why we have those words repeated. Because we all have ears. So we all must take note of what is being said as we all must then put into action the things that we have heard. I want us just to maybe stop for a few moments and just think about what life is like at this moment for us where we live. For those of us who live here and around Liverpool, what is it like living here in this city? As you think about that, I want you to know... Come with me to Smyrna, as it was in the days when they were the first recipients of this letter. Smyrna is about 40 miles from Ephesus, and in the days of John it was a prosperous city, but it hadn't always been like that. You see, in the history of this place, in 600 BC, it had been destroyed. And for the next 40 years after that, it was just a small village. But eventually, it was rebuilt. And it was rebuilt as a planned city. A commercial city. A city with libraries and temples and theatres. It was a city that had come back to life. So... Think about that as we go through these verses together. It was known as the ornaments of Asia, sometimes as the crown of Asia or the flower of Asia. So it sounds like a good place to live. In John's day, it had a long history of having a good relationship with Rome, both Roman and Greek citizens embraced the Roman imperial cult that recognised the emperors as kings, thus leading the people to regularly use the words, Caesar is Lord, 
Now, the Jews had integrated into society and they were tolerated. But the Christians were rejected, rejected by both Jew and Gentile, as they refused to acknowledge Caesar as Lord. And this alone would prevent them from being accepted into society. They wouldn't be accepted into the trade guilds. They wouldn't be able to get employment. And along with all that, they were being persecuted. So for the Christian in this city, known as the ornament of Asia, the crown of Asia, the flower of Asia, it was a hard place for them to live in. So let's hear what it was that John had to say to the believers in Smyrna. Revelation 2, verse 8 through to 11. So verse 8, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. Remember there in a city that had basically died and then come to life again. What we have here is that Jesus is identifying himself to them as the one who suffered. The one who was dead, but the one who is now alive. Now when we come to verse 9, we read, I know your afflictions and your poverty. Yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So let's just take this step by step. First of all, how are those poor, persecuted Christians said to be rich? Well, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You see, they might be seen as being poor in material possessions, but they were rich in the eyes of God. They were spiritually rich. You know that verse, you know, what will it... Uh, prophet a man who began the whole world and yet lose his soul. So we move on to the next part of that section where we hear about the synagogue of Satan. Well, to help us understand this, listen to what Jesus said to the Jewish leaders who refused to acknowledge that he was the Messiah. Now, we read this in John 8, verse 44. Just listen to this verse. When Jesus said to these Jews... You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, these words are spoken by the same Jesus, who is now speaking to these believers in Smyrna. When he says to them, in that verse 10 that we've just read together, he says, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. 
So let's just spend a few moments as we walk through that verse 10. You will suffer persecution. Well, they are suffering persecution right now. And it will get worse. So we see here both the present and the future. And that phrase for 10 days is a figure of speech, a term that they would understand as being a short time. Now, not just a short time, but a time that would have a beginning and a time that would have an end. You see, this is telling us that God is in control. No matter how long the persecution of God's people will last, it will end. And it will end in his time. We need to be reminded of things that we read in the rest of Scripture to help us understand this. One of the verses we can go to, we can go to Second Peter chapter 3 and read verse 8. And this is what Peter said to the people in his day. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. The Lord, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. You see, we live in time. The Lord lives in eternity, and he is in control. I'm reminded of the words of um, John Newton's hymn. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. We can see the relationship there, can't we? Between our limited time and that we serve a God of eternity and we will spend eternity with him. What about that other phrase, be faithful even to the point of death? Mm, that's a challenge, isn't it? You know, history tells us that Polycarp, the Christian bishop of Smyrna, yes, Smyrna, the same place, and he was bishop there from AD 69 to AD 155. So, do the maths. We've already mentioned when this letter was written. And Polycarp was martyred for his faithfulness to the gospel. And when we think about this, let us not forget that only a few hundred years ago, here in England, men like Hugh Latimer, Bishop of Worcester, Nicholas Ridley, Bishop of London, Thomas Kramer, Archbishop of Canterbury, they were all martyred for being faithful to the gospel. Just as those throughout the world today are being persecuted and some being killed because of their faithfulness to Jesus. We need to see these things in perspective. But let's move on and move on to that phrase, the victor's crown. You see, Smyrna had its own Olympic Games. So they would understand the symbol of the crown. And verse 11 says, whoever has ears, let them hear. But the Spirit says to the churches, the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. So let's stop again and consider that phrase, will not be hurt at all by the second death. Even if they are martyred, even if they died for their faith, the crown that they would wear would be the victor's crown of life and they would never have to face the lake of fire. 
Let's stay in Revelation. Let's just jump ahead for a moment to chapter 20 and verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And still in Revelation 20. For the cowardly, the unbelieving and the vile, the murderers, the sexual immor sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You know, the prosecution of Christians isn't something that is waiting to happen. The persecution of Christians has been happening since the first believer believed. It's happening today and it will continue to happen. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter 12 verse 14. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Now, Peter said that because along with the other believers, they at the time were being persecuted. And that was what Jesus told them would happen. And then we read on in that passage from Peter, verse 13. But rejoice in so much as you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed with his glory that is revealed this is as Jesus told them what they should do. Jesus said, you should rejoice in as much as the parties, in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed with the glory that is revealed. And then he goes on. If you are Insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God. It rests on you. You see, this is the good of what will happen when we trust in Jesus, even when we suffer. The should that we should do and the good that will come from it just want to draw things to a close as we just spend a few moments summarizing what we've learned this evening from these few verses. Firstly, in the church of Smyrna, they're not perfect. But what they need from the one who is the first and the last, the one who died and came to life again, the one who could say to them, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich, do not be afraid. Smyrna is the only one of the seven churches that do not receive a firm warning or a reprimand. You see, the Lord knows their circumstances. That's what he's been telling them. He knows that they have a heavy burden to carry. And this reminds us of the words of Jesus in Luke 14, verse 27. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You see, they are his disciples and they were carrying their cross. 
verse 10 of that passage in Revelation 2, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. You see, when Jesus puts himself between them and what it is that they are carrying, the burden becomes light. These words of Jesus come to mind when we think about this. Words from Matthew 11 verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's light because he's helping us to carry it. You know, this is Jesus speaking, the one who spoke to Paul. And in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, Paul said this, because this is what is being said to the church at Shmena. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this is so that they, like Paul, could say, therefore, we will boast all the more gladly about our weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on them. You know, right throughout this book of Revelation, like it is to the people here in Smyrna, the need is to listen. Revelation 2 verse 11, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Here's just a thought for us uh, as we finish this evening. Smyrna is actually um, modern-day Izmir in Turkey. And it's about 50 miles from the archaeological site of Ephesus. The name Smyrna in Hebrew, I understand, is a derivative of the noun mer, that is, the ointment that is associated with death, and the verb mara, meaning bitter, or strong, you know, like the waters of Mara in Exodus that were bitter. You see, life for those people in Smyrna, for them it was bitter, but they needed to be strong, and their strength was in the one who died and now lives. Let's just pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for the fact that we can look at this passage together, but we just pray that you might open our eyes by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we might see the true meaning of what is being said here, not just see it, but be able to hear what is being said and then to be able to respond. And our Father, we just would leave these things with you, asking you to open our hearts and our minds to what you would have us learn from your word, from the one who was dead, but now lives. And we ask these things in his precious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.